This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This is Reception Perception, the show. Now, James Cole and Matt Harmon. Uh, hey, talk, talk about vertical stretch speed here. How about Matt Collins? That is certainly the role that he plays um, for the Raiders here. But, um, man, he's on the field a ton. Oh, my gosh. I mean, the guy's on there like almost 100% of the time. It's absolutely craziness. You, you and I had talked about this before. Josh McDaniels, to me, has made a real big mistake, I think. Um, in having Matt Collins as the certified wide receiver two out there at all times, two wide receiver sets, you're still having Matt Collins out there. Whereas Hunter Renfro, I thought, played really well, obviously, out of the slot, but he has shown that he has success playing outside as well. Now, again, is he going to beat you over the top? No, that's not what he's going to do but a professional wide receiver on the outside and still win some of these routes that outside wide receivers are going to win. Uh, and to me, I thought it was a big mistake putting Mac Hollins um, out there ahead of Hunter Renfro. But what did you find after charting him for a few games? Yeah. Who knows um, what the deal is with the Renfro thing? Obviously he's been banged up this year, but um, he did return. Uh, this past week off IR and Mac Holland still ran more routes than Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro. And he yep. had a higher target share or the second highest target share on the team uh, did, did Mac Hollins. And I, uh, you said vertical speed. I mean, I think he might be one of the slowest wide receivers I've, I've ever, <laughs> I've ever charted, but he definitely, but, that is, but, but that's his role on that team, yeah. you know? So, I mean, and you could say, Hey, they, they probably miscast him there, which I would agree with. Yes. Yeah. Well, you're right. Like 27% of his routes were nine routes, 18.9% post routes, uh, 27% dig Good routes, God. which again, oh, Jeez. and by the, like, who was I, oh, who was I talking to? Um, oh, oh, my producer at, uh, my pot, my Yahoo podcast, John Gennaro and I were talking about this. Like we were, cause we we're talking about Matt Collins on Sunday. We're like, is Matt Collins a captain on this team? Cause you know, he's got the C on his Jersey. He made he the, ca- he made the captain is a special teamer. And he looks like a special teamer playing wide receiver, by the way. It is bizarre that he is – like, I'll, I'll spoil this. I think Mac, I think Matt Collins fits into goofball tier, okay? I mean, okay, it is bizarre. <laughs> yeah, it is it is bizarre. Yeah, And he's huge, okay? So there's that. He's like 6'4", 215, something like that. If you – what do we talk about with Jahan Dotson and wide receiver sizists? The sizists see 6'4", 210, and they're like, oh, I'm hot in the pants about that. But, like, yeah, yeah. he just can't move. He can't get open. I mean, the da- I'd say he 27% success rate on downfield – or uh, excuse me, 27% routes were nine routes, 20% success rate on those patterns. So, hey. sure, sure, he can win with size, but it's not It's not very often. I mean, it is, it is a p- pretty big detriment. And he's not a good zone beater either. 52.6% success rate versus zone coverage. That oh. is a really that's – a, that's a bottom barrel league mark oh. number. Um yeah, I'm, I'll, I'll be selling Mac Hollins as like a 
I, I don't think he, this is a guy you need to have as like your third best receiver. It's no wonder that the Raiders haven't had the passing offense that everybody expected because they have, you know, Matt Collins out there. I mean, running I, I, absurd. And um, yeah, it's just crazy to me. I want you to kind of dive into the whole Hunter Renfro thing too, because I think, like I said, from what I saw last year, and the numbers would certainly back this up, man. But like the guy did play some outside wide receiver. Uh, maybe it was off the line because this guy's obviously not going to beat yeah. press coverage. But I'm not saying he's a vertical guy, Hunter Renfro. But the dude can line up outside and make plays. You just have to design a little bit of offense um, to work around his skill set. But dude, the guy can win. So I just, I don't understand why it's not in two wide receiver sets. Why is it not Hunter Renfro and Devonte Adams? Why? I don't understand it. I mean, you think it's got to be a health thing, right? Like the, the fact that because you know, Matt I mean, Collins even pl- early in the season though, that's not what it yeah. was, you know. Like it just didn't it it just didn't make sense to me. I know, and and Darren uh, Derek Carr and and uh, Hunter Renfro had a great mind meld last year. I agree with right. you. And what's crazy about it too, James, again, which is why I think it's got to be something injury related because this is a staff that extended Hunter Renfro in the off season. They gave him a new contract and this staff too has done the same thing with Julian Edelman. And look, Edelman's a great player. I think Renfro could be like a, you know, maybe a poor man's Julian Edelman type player, or just mm-hmm. basically, a, I know we're just stereotyping small white guys in the slot right now, but <laughs> we ain't going to be, right. Hey, we're in, a, we're in a first podcast to do it. We won't be the last. All right. But um, <laughs> like this is a staff that with Josh McDaniels and the boys that had done this with, um, with, Edelman in New England when they had Edelman and Danny Amendola in the same offense they had Edelman play flanker outside you know they'd they'd move him into the slot sometimes but a lot of times I think it was the the 2000 2018 Patriots offense maybe 2017 I I might be mixing my years up there or whatever but there definitely definitely was years where Amendola and Edelman were like two of their top guys I mean those guys played in New England for years it's hard to remember but there were years where they did that and and Edelman functioned as a flanker. Why can't Hunter Renfro play in that role? I don't know. I mean, it's it's very weird. And just I think it's I, the Raiders didn't have a good wide receiver build to begin with. Um, this was a clear weak spot coming in. It was like the Raiders were very fragile. I know I said this a lot in the offseason that yeah, the the trio of Adams, Renfro, and Waller looks awesome, but there is this this is a ghastly spot coming in this third receiver spot. And, you know, they've got Keelan Cole, who's very different than Matt Collins. He's like a, he's a speed guy. He's a guy that can separate yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Um, but Matt Collins, man, it just, I, I don't know. They, they must honestly, I, you know what I kind of think it is James. And, and I know teams definitely get themselves into this brain pretzel sometimes. And, and maybe they're right about this. I'm, I'm not sitting there charting run blocking for these wide receivers, but the Raiders have transitioned to being a real run heavy team, a, a team that, beat you up with Josh Jacobs, right? And and I think obviously if you're going to sit there and tell me who's going to block between old Matt Collins and and well, Hunter Renfro, sure. I think sure. that's that maybe that's it. Maybe that's the reason. I mean, I guess, but that just I don't see it. that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. From hey, by the way, from a usage percentage wise, right? Like the reason I'm saying like, oh, well, you know, Hunter Renfro and, you know, he can line up outside. The coaching staff last year put him outside as an outside wide receiver 30% of the time. This year, that number has plummeted to about 10%. 
Yeah. Right. So he has played almost 90% of his snaps as an inside wide receiver, whereas last year it was more like 70%. And I feel like that split is pretty important. Um, mm-hmm. And by the way, he was pretty, I, I mean, the guy was pretty effective as an outside good, wide yeah. receiver too, you know? So uh, six of his nine touchdowns last year came when he was lined up out wide. So again, I think he can get it done. And I am surprised just like you mentioned, Josh McDaniels has seen this this kind of wide receiver play as an outside wide receiver. By the way, you talk about Julian Edelman. You know why he played outside? Because he's one of their best players. And right. Yeah. You got to have your best players on the field. You just figure out a way to keep them out there. You know, and I just struggle to find a way where you can like look at Matt Collins and say, this is one of my guys that I absolutely think is one of my, you know, top two or three offensive players. I just, I'm it's, it just boggles my mind and I cannot get over it, man. Like I just cannot get over it. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not like one of these big time Josh McDaniels haters or whatever. And there's definitely big time Josh McDaniels haters out there, but this is, I'm struggling with this one too. Um, just because it's so, it's a huge limiting factor, man. I mean, the, the lack of Hollins, the lack of separation from Hollins and uh, it's, it's, you're putting a lot on Derek Carr to to make those throws to a guy who's just ne- so infrequently in the in the right place. And I mean, like I said, Hollins was a special teams captain. Yeah, he's a special teamer. That's where he's but he's been throughout the course of his uh, career for the most part. Uh, although I do, res- hey, I gotta respect the hell out of Mac Hollins. You know, he scores that touchdown during this last game against the Patriots, uh, which, by the way, was a real poor game from him overall. But he scores that touchdown. On a contested play, of course. Uh, And he just gets right up in the camera and goes, I'm him. I'm him. Like, okay, well, shout out to you for the confidence, pal. (laughs) I know. I I love it. I love Love it. it. By the way, by the way, some of the best hair in the game as well. So respect on the hair, no doubt. And Um, any of the guys that have great hair that hang out the helmet, I love you dudes because you're the easiest guys to chart. I mean, the easiest guys to chart. because (laughs) this This is so niche, like film Twitter stuff, but... You guys don't understand how annoying it is when, and the Bengals do this all the time. They'll all get out there and they're all obviously wearing the same uniform and they all wear like knee high black socks and it's like, ugh, and black, black, black gloves. How am I supposed to figure? Like it takes, <laughs> then it takes, it takes a sec. It takes like a three or four you. seconds longer to be like, look at okay, you. That's, okay. That's chase. Oh, Cause I know he God. stands like that. Okay. Boom. That's chase. Let's go. But if it's oh, Hollins God. with that hair hanging out, I'm like, boom, gotcha. <laughs> This so is, stupid. This is so stupid. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> We're in the weeds, baby. We are in the weeds. Hey, everyone. This is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let me try to steer the ship back in its right direction here. Um, okay, a vertify like a verifiably, you know, I think good deep threat, in my opinion, is DPJ. Um, and I think that, you know, outside ability is why a lot of folks thought that this guy might actually have some serious sleeper appeal. 
in, you know, in the fantasy football pre-draft process as we came into 2022. Um, okay. But what did you find? Because again, I see DPJ, I watch him out there. I'm like, yo, this guy can actually play outside. I think he, you know, a lot of what he does is vertical and I think he's pretty good there, but I'm not the charting guy. What does the charting data tell you about DPJ? Okay. So, uh, and again, Remember, DPJ fits into that bucket of guys at Zay Jones, like that I'll never forgive myself for not charting in the offseason. Um, okay. And this is despite the fact, like, there are, there are, as I always say about DPJ, whenever we talk about him, there's at least like five, six, seven DPJ bros in my Discord that have been banging down my door to chart DPJ all this time. <laughs> and and I, okay. I, yeah, I dropped the ball, dropped the ball. Don't know what to tell you. But uh, the current sample on DPJ. Um, he's not a separation guy down the field in the, in the vertical game. Absolutely not. But he is a pretty good 50, 50 ball receiver. He's actually kind of similar to Zay Jones in that he is a better zone coverage beating receiver than a, um, than a man coverage beating receiver. His man press scores in the three games I've got here are pretty poor. 51% success rate versus man, 57.7% success rate versus press. Um, that's despite the fact that he's lining up outside on at least 70% uh, of his snaps here. So, Not, but the but the zone coverage score, you know, is right around similar again, very similar to Zay Jones, right around like sixty or seventy six, seventy seven percent. So pretty solid there. Um, the the routes where he's best on actually sort of like we're talking about his best routes as dig routes, curl routes. Uh, you know, those are definitely intermediate routes for sure. But he's got some skills as like a quick separation guy on flat routes, for example. Um, but. Yeah, I don't. I think he is a very good intermediate receiver, not a very good deep receiver, and not consistent enough beating man coverage. Um, to me, for me to think he can, like, I actually kind of think DPJ would would make a high quality vertical big slot receiver. Um, hmm. But he, that's not the role he plays at all uh, with the Cleveland Browns, of course. So um, that's kind of my read on DPJ. I, I sort of kind of come down in the middle on him I think like more higher sample more games could potentially get me to like him a little more uh but right now I sort of come kind of in the middle uh on him um if you're wondering why there are DPJ bros it's because his athletic profile is so interesting man what an interesting athletic profile this guy has. Uh, a wide receiver out of Michigan. Okay, 6'2", 212 pounds. Uh, pretty big wide receiver. You know, not a small guy by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, ran a four four eight forty, which is, you know, that's that's about average. You know, that's, that's average uh, size speed comp. Uh, but man, a 44 and a half inch vertical jump. A yeah, he can get nearly, up there too. That oh, shows dude, up on film. 139 broad jump. I'm like, I'm sorry. What a 44 and a half inch vertical. What? Uh, and again, a guy at six two, 212 pounds. Um, those are like basketball numbers, man. <laughs> like what is that is on that. That's a very, very interesting athletic profile. Uh, and again, when you pop on some of his highlights too, it's like, golly, this guy just gets up there. Uh, and, and frequently tries to win at the high point too. Right. So, uh, very interesting athletic profile. And I think that is why a lot of people are intrigued. I'm certainly intrigued, uh, by DPJ. Um, but again, he obviously has limitations and I do, and from just a route running skill perspective, he's obviously not there. Oh God. He turns like a freight train sometimes against man coverage. It's uh, Mm -hmm. not, not quite Matt Collins ish, but there's definitely, (laughs) 
<laughs> there's definitely a few times where I'm watching I'm like god man get out of that break like let's let's go let's have some of that broad jump that explosiveness right let's put it into the let's put it into the routes here okay so we need it we need DPJ to round out the technique a little bit and look it's it's what is this this is his uh he was a 2020 pick so this is his mm-hmm. third year we need it right. we need to start getting the um you don't want to you don't want to become too uh Gabe Davis-ish I, I actually no. in a weird way got I know this. I'm competent all over the place here, but there were a little bit of like Gabe Davis vibes uh, with DPJ. And I guess from a sense. usage standpoint, that, that's yeah. actually a little more accurate there. Like a guy who's not a consistent route runner. And I think that's going to limit his limit his ceiling to being like a below average uh, starting outside wide receiver. All right, there you go. Okay, let's move on. Um, I want to talk about the primary slot guy there for Minnesota. KJ Osborne obviously had a humongous game uh, last week against the Indianapolis Colts. So it was largely his best game, I think, as a pro. Uh, is that level I, not sustainable? We all know it's not sustainable. No, yeah. But right. is that going to just be like his, you know, his high water mark forever? And uh, is this guy a a quality starter or? Uh, again, is this somebody that uh, the Vikings might be moving on from? Uh, he is intriguing to me. I, I, I came away kind of the most intrigued by him in terms of these guys that we're talking about relative to expectations, of course. And it's funny, too, because remember all of the hot air that was spilled um, in the offseason about Justin Jefferson playing the Cooper Cup role, being the slot guy. And it's like K.J. Osborne has been has been the slot guy. Um, <laughs> right, exactly. I'm actually a little surprised that and, you know, I maybe this is going to happen in the next couple of weeks, maybe in the playoffs that like I would think that K.J. Osborne actually profiles as a better outside receiver uh, and maybe mm. Adam Thielen. Remember when Adam Thielen used to play the slot? Like, why is Adam Thielen yeah. not their slot receiver in Minnesota? You know, I mean, maybe they trust him as a technician a little more. I mean, Thielen is not totally toast or anything like that. So I don't mean to I don't mean to imply that. But, um, you know, Osborne is he's kind of he's he's pretty sloppy. Like uh, some of his fundamentals are not great, uh, but he is a guy that is really explosive and, and could really separate. And, and that, ab- that ability against man coverage, that speed against man coverage, I think actually would make him a pretty interesting outside receiver if he tightened up some of those fundamentals, but yeah, he's a sloppy guy, but definitely, I mean, pretty explosive and he can, he can get down the field, man. I mean, we're talking about like a, a guy that's 71.4% success rate on the nine routes in the two games that I sampled. Um, that that's probably his best stuff right now is his ability to get down the field. Um, but he showed some flashes on dig routes and slant routes for me to sort of at least keep like an eyebrow raised that maybe he could be more than like a speed slot receiver. Um, but right now that's obviously the role he's playing for the Vikings. So let me ask you about his hands, because I think that's one big question mark that oh, I have about yeah. KJ Osborne, yeah. um, you know, a career, <laughs> yeah, a career 61% catch rate um, for a guy that's in the slot. That is so far below average. I don't even know what to make of it. Right. Like if you're, uh, if you're primarily a slot man and he plays about 70% of his snaps out of the slot, listen, man, like you got to be catching somewhere north of 70% for him to be at 61% catch rate. And again, it shows up on film too. Like, uh, is that something that's correctable, man? Or, or am I missing something? I mean, just overall, I just feel like the hands are real shaky, dude. Sloppy fundamentals for sure. Um, especially in any sort of contested catch situation. Um, 
that, that even in that big game against the Viking or excuse me, against the Colts, I, I believe I had him with five contested catch attempts and he only caught two of them. Um, mm. Some of some of the the catch rate stuff, even on slot receiver routes, I'll put a little bit of blame on Kirk Cousins being okay. um, a little early or a little late with some of those throws, especially over the middle. If there's any sort of pressure, and we know I believe Kirk Cousins has been hit more than any other quarterback this year um, because of <laughs> the Vikings offensive line has been a little hit or miss. And, and anytime that you get pressure on Kirk Cousins, you know, he's going to. He's going to speed up that clock. He's going to speed up that clock and get that ball out early. So I think some of that is the, is what is influenced in the catch rate there. But, yeah, from a fundamental perspective, I think K.J. Osborne has ta- – that's the thing. is I think he has talent. I think he has physical ability. Um, but the, the fundamentals need to be tweaked up, both as a route runner and uh, as a as an actual catcher of the football.